Uh, I want to uh, welcome everybody. Grateful that you're here today to, to worship Christ along with us. Welcome everyone who is watching online. Uh, if you would, uh, as a reminder, fill out the Connect card in front of you. I know I ask every single week. Uh, those of you who are online, watch, uh, or, or rather fill out a digital uh, Connect card, please. Um, we ask each and every week because those cards are very valuable to us. We, uh, we use those as a tool, as a way to know how to pray for you and how we might be able to serve you. So please, everyone, uh, grab one, fill one out. You can do it during the sermon um, or while we're singing. That's perfectly all right. You can drop them in the baskets up here in front. You can uh, put them on the Connect booth or hand them to somebody with a badge, myself, at the sound booth. Really, they'll get to where they need to go. But please, please uh, fill those out, okay? Even you online, uh, take time to go to those, uh, those digital Connect cards and fill those out. As well, uh, there are some other announcements that we have. Uh, community groups each and every week, to, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday now. Uh, that's really where the life of the church is experienced. That's where we walk through um, the things that are going on in our world with one another as we are united under uh, one headship as one body. And then a reminder about those Christmas cards. Um, they actually uh, are due on the 8th. So um, if you can get them here by next Sunday, uh, or rather uh, to your community groups by Wednesday, that would be wonderful. Or you can drop them off at the stoop. Like I said, just let me know so we can come by and pick them up. Up. Uh, those cards are valuable because what we do is we actually are going to take them to Stone Mission down in Parsons Avenue, and they're going to disperse them uh, in the times where they are doing their, their holiday festival and, and serving the people of that area. So uh, please do those. There's extra cards in the basket on the Connect booth. If you haven't grabbed any, you can grab them today, fill them out today, and then drop them off tomorrow. You can still do that. So that is a wonderful thing. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into our sermon. So if you would, uh, pray along with me. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your grace. Uh, thank you for the voices that are able to be heard, and uh, we can sing together, Lord. Lord, your Son is worthy of our worship, and I pray that today, that as we listen to your word preached, that, uh, that you develop in us a heart of worship, that you continue to build in us greater faith uh, as, we, as we long to understand and believe the truth that is found in your word. Lord, we love you and thank you for uh, the gift of your Spirit that dwells in us and guides us and leads us. Uh, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so today is the second weekend of our church's Advent season, if you can't tell with all of the decorations if you weren't here last week. And as David explained last weekend, Advent is this seasonal moment where we, the church, focus on celebrating Christ's first coming, which is why it's called the season of Advent, because the term Advent means arrival. So again, what we're doing together in this holiday season is celebrating the arrival of the promised Messiah. We are rejoicing over what happened in the past so we can look and long for what is future, what is about to happen, what is in the future going to happen, which will be, which is promised to be Christ's second advent. So his first advent points to his second advent, his second coming, when he returns to restore all things. It's uh, partly, in, in, in fact, why we named our church Maranatha. Maranatha is uh, this term that means, come Lord. It's this longing, this yearning for Christ to return in that second advent. His promised arrival and the fulfillment of that coming in the Messiah's birth gives us sort of the, the, the proper hope and assurance that is promised in that second advent, in that second coming, that it's going to happen. When God says that I will send my son, I will send, uh, I will, you know, be birthed of a woman, this seed that will come and rescue all of the, the people of God, when that 
promised uh, coming of Christ, the first coming, actually happens. It gives us a better understanding and faith that his second coming will, in fact, happen as well, which is what David preached on last week. David preached on that promise for the coming of Christ. And by doing so, he led us into this conversation uh, about the particular offices that Christ fulfills in his coming. Again, last week David preached on the promise of Christ, and this week I'm going to be preaching on the the prophet of Christ. And then uh, in the following weeks we're going to talk about the priest and how he is also our king. Now those three offices again are prophet, priest, and king. And it's important for us to know those, or it's important for us to uh, see them for what they are. And they're called offices because they come with particular definitions of authority. And that's why we're sort of parsing them out for us. They come with particular definitions of authority. And again, as David explained, we're going to be looking into the Old Testament in order to understand these offices. We're going to use uh, Old Testament scripture to show us how we're able to, to look to the forecoming Christ in that day, but who Christ is for us today. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy 18. That's going to be the main passage that we're in today. And if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, that's going to be page 151 if you didn't happen to bring your Bible. Uh, with that, if you don't have a Bible, that Bible for you is uh, a gift from us to you. Uh, we want everyone to have the Word of God in their home. So please take that. Uh, don't feel embarrassed to do that. As well as there's a resource wall over there, we want you to use those books. We want you to take those. That's information that will uh, supplement what we find in Scripture as a way of teaching us about God so we can know more of God, so we can fall in love uh, in greater ways with God. All right. All right, so you see, the title Christ, when we call Jesus the Christ, the title Christ means anointed one. And each of these offices that were given by God to his people were also, in fact, um, uh, positions that required the person to be anointed in order to take hold of that office. And, um, well, sort of spoiler alert, no one actually held all three offices that we're about to talk to, no one except for Jesus Christ. These three offices that we find in the Old Testament really are there as a way to connect the Old Testament and the New Testament together, despite the fact that our Bibles sort of separate them. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. These offices are a way that the Old Testament and the New Testament are, again, connected, because as we study and as we learn from Scripture, what we see is that there's actually one singular uh, redemptive story of Christ that threads the entire, that entire redemptive story together throughout all of time, which is how, again, we can look backwards as a way to look forward. Are you with me? So we're able to look into the Old Testament to understand the promises that we have for today, which is why through the remainder of the Advent season, what we're going to do is look back into the Old Testament again, and look back at some of the Old Testament prophet, priests, and kings, and what we hope that you'll see, what we hope that this does for your heart as a way to develop worship and connection to what we are celebrating in this season of Advent is that Jesus is the actual fulfillment of what those officers in the past were pointing towards. That's our hope. We want you to see how Christ is the fulfillment of those officers in the Old Testament. So uh, let's read Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22, uh, and then we can get into understanding how Christ is our prophet. So if you would stand with me in reverence for God's word, we're going to read Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. 
The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of your assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever, will, and, who, and whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself are required of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of another gods, other gods, the same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word uh, that the Lord has spoken? Well, sorry, let me say that again. How may we know the, the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pick out, have a seat. Let me pray one more time as we get into this. Father, thank you for this word from Moses. Thank you that we have this. This, this rich history written down for us that we can look back as a way to understand what is before us. Uh, be with us in this time again, Lord, and help us to find uh, the faithful call um, to follow after your son and listen to him. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so as we, begin, as we get into this, let me first explain uh, this Old Testament office of prophet and why it existed. You see, the, God knows, we, we understand this as a, as a thinking church. I know that you here at Maranatha, we understand this, that God knows all things, but we, his people, are limited in our understanding. Right? We know this. We know that from Scripture. We know it from, the, from the, uh, the, the plethora of passages that tell us that we are sort of feeble in mind, that we're limited in our understanding, that we need God's wisdom. But we also know this from our experiences because we make mistakes all the time, which is why the purpose of the prophet was to declare the word of God to the people of God. He was the one who was to guide them in God's truth. In the Old Testament, and in this particular time of this passage, Moses was in the midst of leading the people and living out the first five books of the Bible. God's people were being brought into the promised land, and what they were supposed to do then is to drive out the other nations as they were to be their own nation. And as they went on, God delivered his perfect law to his chosen people through his prophet Moses, but God also knew something. He knew that there would be times or circumstances when his clearly written law would not provide enough practical guidance for his people to know his will in every specific situation. He knew that this very clear, perfect law sometimes would be um, confusing to them because they wouldn't have full understanding, um, which is why, through Moses, God promises that he was going to raise up for them prophets from among them, from among their brothers, that is, from God's chosen people to guide them in truth in which they were to listen to. Are you with me? So God has delivered the perfect law through the prophet Moses, and he understood that they were going to need guidance and understanding, so he promises to send them other prophets prophets. The prophet then, in the office that he held, was to be, in a way, um, God's spokesman. All right, He was, in a way, meant to be God's spokesman. He was charged to provide God's people with proper guidance to live and operate within God's will in any given situation according to God's law. 
This is what he was meant to do, which is why God tells his people in verse 14, the verse right before our passage, that they weren't supposed to listen to fortune tellers or diviners. They weren't supposed to go to other places to try and find truth. And what that means and why I'm, what I'm getting at is that there was and is today no reason for God's people to turn to anything outside of God for our hope and assurance. We can practically understand that truth of of verse 14, that there's no reason for them or for us today to turn to anything outside of God for our hope and assurance. There was and is no reason to turn to, uh, to other gods, pagan gods of the surrounding nations then or today, because God was making it perfectly clear through the work of the prophets that he was ready, that he is ready and able to meet every need of his people. God is trying to declare to us that he is ready and able to meet every need that we need as his people. This was the job of the prophet. This was the job of the one who was to declare and guide through God's word because God, again, was making it perfectly clear to them. So if this is the job of the prophet, if this is what he was meant to do and, and how God might use the prophet, well, then how do we know that the prophet is actually a prophet? How do we know that this guy is actually speaking the word of God's truth? Well, the qualifications of a prophet are found here in the passage, coincidentally. right? So here are the qualifications for a prophet. One, he must be from among their own brothers. He must be from within the people of Israel. He must be Jewish. Two, He will speak in God's name. That is, he will speak God's word per his authority. Three, whatever he says will happen actually does happen. Anything he says that's going to come to pass actually does come to pass. In fact, there's a very serious penalty for anybody who uh, falsely prophesied. That penalty, in fact, was death. So if you were so bold as to try and speak false prophecy, the penalty would be the end of your life. Number four, he will not lead people to follow after or listen to other gods, even if they seem miraculous. Even if they seem like something special has happened, we are not to follow after other gods. We will not be led into believing other gods. Because remember, we don't know everything that we should know or might need to know. Sometimes our experiences confuse the truth. Sometimes the things that we think are happening confuse the truth. And there's additional information on this in Deuteronomy 13. If you're curious and you want to go back, maybe in our community groups, we can talk about that. But what God is promising here, what God is promising here is that he will use his own people to produce a lineage of prophets that are going to succeed one another in order to guide his own people towards living in his word and for his will. These prophets of God... They are meant to live for the people of God. They are are leaders, and again, they have a position of authority, but they are servants. They are servants for and to the people, and they will function in a way similar to Moses, but they won't be exactly like him. We have this idea of Moses as this great champion in Exodus, which he is, and God is telling us that there's going to be these prophets who are going to follow after Moses, and they will, but they're not going to be exactly like Moses. Uh, There will be other prophets after Moses, but they won't have the same type of intimacy with God that Moses had. He tells us this. They won't have the same intimacy, nor are they going to receive direct revelation in the same way that he did. God tells us in Numbers 12 that he will, he is going to, 
This is a promise that he will raise up for the people of Israel other prophets, but that he will give them visions and that he's going to speak to them in dreams. Right? He says in Numbers 12 that uh, whereas he's going to give them visions and dreams, he, he has spoken to Moses mouth to mouth. He's essentially spoken to Moses face to face. He, he spoke directly and clearly with, with Moses in order to give him the perfect and direct law. He even says in Numbers 12, 8 that Moses somehow beholds the form of the Lord. There is something special here. There's an expected uh, special reverence here as God questions the people then. He says, why then? If, if Moses beholds the form of the Lord, why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? How dare you speak against my chosen prophet? It seems as though, even as Moses is a prophet, he holds this unique relationship with God, right? If, if God is so bold as to saying this, that I'm going to raise up other prophets, but I'm not going to deal with them the exact same way. I'm going to deal with Moses very uniquely. There seems to be a special relationship, and there was, and there is, because God made Moses this, um, this initial mediator of a covenant, he has given the people his law, a covenant. If you remember from last week, David talked about this. It's a guaranteed commitment between two parties. It's this guaranteed commitment in this scenario between God and his people. The most simplified way that I can explain this covenant for you that Moses is called the Mosaic Covenant, which God made with his people through Moses, is like this. This is essentially what this covenant says. God's people were to follow God in his will uh, by his word, which again is the law that is given through Moses. And if they did this, they would be his people. So if you follow, you will be my people. And this matters because of what we're about to learn in Christ. If they obey God in his will and his word, they will be his people. And again, that matters because of what we're about to learn in Christ, how he is the prophet, how he is the one to come. This line of prophets that we read about in the Old Testament do stem from Moses, but this prophecy, this prophecy finds its fulfillment in the one true prophet, right? That's what we're here to talk about. It found its fulfillment in the one true prophet. This prophecy that we read in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22 finds its ultimate fulfillment in the prophet who is equal to and in fact greater than Moses, Right? The other ones aren't going to be like Moses, but there is one who is equal to and even greater than Moses. Jesus is that prophet, right? Surprise. Jesus is that prophet. He is greater and above all the other prophets because through him, this is why he's so important, because through him, God would make himself known to us. God would make himself known to us through the prophet Christ, John 1.18, we already learned this way back in the past, back in September. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus is the only person in history who, in fact, knows God directly. Hebrews 1.3, speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That is how we are able to know God. Jesus was born in the line of David, right? He was born in the line of David, therefore he was Jewish. By his birth, he was made as one of them, as he lived among them because he was sent to them. Again, we learn that in John. He is like Moses in the way that Moses was a prophet, a lawgiver, and uh, he was used to deliver God's people from Egypt. And Jesus Christ not only teaches truth, but he also rules and saves. 
So Moses delivers God's word. He gives them the law, so he rules. And he also is the deliverer used to bring God's people out of Egypt. And Jesus is like Moses because he, is both, uh, he both teaches, rules, and saves. As well, God declared that, the, uh, that he would be the one speaking through the prophets. He would be the one who would put his words in the mouth of the prophets. Now, we've been studying again this Gospel of John since September of 2019. And in that study, we've seen repeatedly how Jesus continuously is declaring that his only purpose is to do the will of the Father. The only thing that he has come here to do is to fulfill the purpose of the Father. And it's why he then says in John 7, 16, my teaching is not mine, but it is his who sent me. He is only speaking the words of the Father. Are you with me? You understand the connection of what's going on. Jesus, Jesus Christ is this promised prophet because he alone is the only one who has the proper authority to interpret the Old Testament revelation and what it's ultimately teaching. As well, he is the provider of the new covenant revelation. He's the only one who's able to interpret the Old Testament rightly and properly because he is the only one that actually knows the Father's will, and he is also the only one who has the authority to provide new covenant revelations. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus has been there from the beginning, and he will be there in, in the end. Moses was a prophet of God. He was a prophet of God, but he was used in a way for God to speak to his people. Moses' position ultimately was just a shadow. Moses' position was just a shadow which was meant to ultimately point us towards the one who was to come. We're not to, to, to worship Moses. We are to, to look at him and see how he is a, uh, a type of Christ. He points us towards the truth, the one true prophet, the one who was to come. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean? What, what, why should it matter that Jesus Christ is a prophet? Right? We, we sort of understand that this identity that he's had, we as a church have been, again, sort of grinding through the Gospel of John, and I, and I think that we grasp the fact that Christ's identity is rooted as he is God. But why does it matter that he holds this particular office? Well, think back to what is the responsibility of a prophet? What is the role of this anointed Prophet, to reveal the true word of God for the true people of God. That's his role. He is to reveal the true word of God for the true people of God. And we have this thing in front of us, and we read it each and every week, and hopefully you read it throughout the day during your week. We have this Bible in front of us, and it is truly our ultimate authority that we possess here on earth. This is our ultimate authority of what we have. It is the final arbiter on every issue that we are to debate and face here in this world because it came to us through Jesus Christ the prophet. We are to listen to him, remember? I'm going to put my word in their mouth and you must listen, God says. He is the anointed one who not only taught and spoke God's word, but who is God's word, right, John 1? He not only taught and spoke it, but he is God's word, the Bible in its ultimate authority, points us to him. 
All of Scripture is about Christ. In its ultimate authority, it points us to Him, and as it is the perfect word, the perfect truth, because its truth comes from the Father, the creator of all things, the one who has authority over all things, and He's the only one who's allowed to declare all things and determine all things, we then should put our ultimate trust in it and not in anything else outside of God. It comes from Christ. It comes from the prophet, and we are to listen to him. We should not put our trust in anything else that is outside of God and of what he has given us. Jesus the Son, in his office of prophet, reveals the words and the works of God as well as the very being of God in, again, this office of prophet. He reveals the words and the works as well. He is greater than all because he reveals the very being of God as we look and understand him through his word. And this matters, and and honestly, it should, as we sit here, develop great worship within us because as this is truth, it can develop hope and assurance in us. What is the greatest gift that we have as Christians when we read this word and we feel secured by this word as we are in the hand of Christ? It's assurance. It's a hope for things not seen. It's things that we can't really grasp with our minds on this earth. It provides us with assurance through the truth for God's glory. He is the one who provides salvation and he is the one who secures us for salvation. Jesus Christ is both the object and the subject of all biblical prophecy. All of scripture is about him. All of God's word is about him and through him. This is what it's teaching us. This is why his office matters. Now, another aspect of uh, of Christ's uh, office here, how this connects to his office of prophet, was how the Old Testament men, as they were like Moses in a way, that they were also a mediator between God and his people. All of these Old Testament prophets, in a way, as they were like Moses, were a sort of a mediator between God and his people. They all, in a way, stood in the gap between God and their people. They were the sort of the, uh, the communication between them, but only one was able to bridge the gap. Right? They, they all sort of stood in the gap between God and the people, but only one true prophet is able to span the gap. Right? And that is Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus Christ is the prophet. He, he, connects, uh, he, connects, he connects us to God. This is also connecting us to his other office of priest. Jesus, as prophet, does this work by revealing his word, his work, and the very being of God. And this connects us to his office of preach, which we're going to talk about next weekend. But before we go, before we finish up here, and I know we're sort of laying on all of this, uh, this biblical truth. Before we go, I want us to leave here with something special. I want us to leave with um, this, this knowledge. I want us to know what God's prophetic word, this word that comes through Christ, this gospel that we hear week in and week out, what his prophetic word promises us about his effective word through Christ the Son. And we find that in Isaiah 61. So I'm going to read it. You don't have to stand, but I'm going to, I'm going to read the first three verses, and I want you to listen to this prophetic promise that we have. Now, this passage, uh, in fact, is speaking about Isaiah, but again, ultimately, it finds its fulfillment in the one true prophet, who is Jesus Christ. And he even says so in Luke, uh, where is he at? In Luke uh, 4, chapter 4, Jesus, in fact, quotes this exact 
scripture and says that he is the fulfillment of it. So we know that this is talking about Jesus Christ. This is Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. All of us are poor in spirit. All of us are in need of Christ's rescue. We all are burdened and go through difficulties, and he has come to bind up our broken hearts, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. We no longer have to walk in darkness. He has set us free from sin and, 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 um, and, and distance from God. He has allowed us to be rescued from our prison and be able to choose righteousness. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, Christ has come, and the day of vengeance of our God, the second coming, to comfort all who mourn. There is assurance and hope in the fact that Christ has come as a baby, as was promised, and the promise is just as true that he's going to return. Verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. We, as we walk in our sin and we see the truth of the darkness of our hearts, ashes were a way of uh, physically revealing the difficulty and the mourning of our own sin. We no longer have to mourn in our sin in the ashes because Christ has given us something more beautiful. And this is being descriptive by a, a headdress. The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Think of the great oaks. We have been set down on a foundation to allow our roots to grow deep and secure in the promises of God. That is how we are planted as oaks. This is what's given to us. We have the good news of Christ. We possess the entire redemptive story right here. If you're wondering what the truth is, it's right in front of you. It's in your scriptures. We no longer have to mourn as those without hope. This is the good news. This is the promise of why Christ and his office as prophet matters so much. We are set free from the bondage of sin. We no longer are held captive or imprisoned in the darkness, but we are set free by the light as a way that we can choose righteousness. This is the glorious news of the gospel. We have the knowledge uh, of, of what has been done on our behalf, which proves the Lord's faithfulness to bring to pass exactly what he promises for the future. As we celebrate this Advent season, as we go into the times of gifts and uh, decorating and, 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 and meals and, and gathering with family, remember this is the promise where you can understand devotionally and look to the promised future of what's in heaven. The, last, the time where we get to celebrate all the goodness for the glory of God. This is what this time is, is meant for us to do. We are meant to look forward to what he has promised. The fact that we are eternally secured by his hand. There's nothing that we can do to, to bring salvation to ourselves. We are eternally secured by his hand because he is who has planted us in his house. He is the one who has allowed us to bear roots in his house. All of this work then is done for our good and for his glory. And all of God's people can say yes and amen to that. If you will, please pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this, this office. Thank you for the, the, the reality that Christ possesses the authority to declare your word and your will to us so we can follow and listen. 
Help us, Lord, to do so. Help us to be obedient. Help us to search your word and your scriptures that have been given to us through your son to know how we might honor you in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name, amen.